Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Riders and Fighters, a podcast. I'm your host, AJ Ortega. And remember that every week I release an interview with a writer of some kind or a fighter of some kind. And we got another boxer on today. I had the pleasure of interviewing professional middleweight boxer Trouble Ibokwe, who fights out of H-Town, Houston, Texas, and he has a record of 16-2. and two. We talked about his run-ins with the law that eventually led him into boxing. We talked about how he got his nickname. And we talked about him spending some time in Nigeria in middle school and high school. And he's Nigerian-American, so hearing that perspective being American-born but spending time over there was a really cool part of the interview. And then he wraps up with telling us a little bit about overcoming loss and his future goals in the boxing world. So again, I'm on vacation, so there won't be any fight recap, so we can get straight to the interview. This is the interview with Trouble Ibokwe, professional boxer fighting out of Houston, Texas. Enjoy. All right, I'm sitting here on Zoom with Trouble Ibokwe calling in from Houston, Texas. How are you yes, doing, sir. bud? How are you doing? Bless, man. I can't complain. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. And so maybe just introduce yourself for the audience, and why are you on Riders and Fighters, a podcast? Oh, man. Just, just coming to talk, man. I'm a boxer, a Texas middleweight champion, currently 16-2, and two, fighting out of Houston, Texas. Very cool, man. Tell me about your Houston pride. I saw some custom boots that you had on Instagram that yeah, I was like, man. dude, those are throwback and look clean. Mm-hmm. Tell Appreciate me about it. Houston. What does Houston mean to you, man? man Houston everything. It's Houston where I was born, where I have friends, where I grew up. I just love Houston. Houston, like, there's so many, like, different things to Houston, so many uh, stories in Houston. Yeah, definitely a good hub for combat sports, too. Yeah. I think it's a good spot. For fighters of all kinds, he, he, people I think uh, don't understand how big Houston is. Yeah, if when you say you're from Houston, you always got to say what part. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's big up there. Like big, like New York is big. Big, like Chicago is big. It's a, it's a truly a huge city with a lot of, lot of culture there. And so I really dig those, those throwback boots you had on there. Did you have those for a fight, or did you? Yeah, yeah, it was for a fight. So most times, like for a fight, I just like just really uh, try to see what's gonna like relate to me, or like just different things of like what clothes will match. And then that fight, I think it was at a stadium. It was gonna be at a baseball stadium. I was like, oh, sh-. I could definitely, I could. Then like my mind just clicked, like, oh, we could do Astros. I'm like, oh, then we do Astros throwback Houston. It's gonna all go together. There you go. Very cool. Very cool. And so, since you are a pro boxer, again, you're 16-2, and two, really great record there. When did that start? When did you start boxing? And then maybe the more interesting one is, why? I started boxing, uh, I think, when I turned 20. I'm 27 now, it's about, like, seven years in the game. Like, But I was always, like, fighting. Like, I just grew up, like, you know, like, just my way of solving problems. Navigating you know, I was the world. Always, you feel me? So, like... I remember, like, growing up, like, i never forget the story. I was, like, growing up, and it was the first grade. Like, I was always bullied. 
and like the bully never listened to like the no's and stops me telling the teacher. And then one day, I think I just just acted out. It was all in violence. Ended up beating the bully up. Like I don't know where the strength came from, and it was just and like since that day, like it was just like all right. All this time, like I was trying to tell this bully, like, "Hey, leave me alone." Like he didn't understand me till like I was ultimate violence. You know, then, you know, as a little kid, it was just like, "Oh snap!" All right, that's the way. Like anytime you got to solve a problem, it was ultimate violence because you see that talking didn't work. Yeah, I think there's a. Uh... You know, everybody has their limits, and there's a time and place for that stuff. I, dude, I hate when people are like, violence doesn't solve everything. And I'm like, violence solves some shit. Violence solves yeah, some definitely. shit. And, <laughs> For sure. and so you figure out how to navigate a problem. And again, at a certain point, like, well, you got to take what you dish out, bully. And so if you beat him up, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, I think a lot of people could stand to get beat up here and there. I mean, I think that's part of part of the Especially game. Especially if you're bullying. Yeah, for sure. And so that experience was, again, untrained, again, uh, schoolyard bully type stuff. At what point do you train and do organized fighting rather than, you know, fighting at school, fighting on the street, fighting in the neighborhood? So it sounds like I got in some serious trouble. I did like some a little jail time and stuff. I did a little jail time, and every time I ever been to jail, like, like I know it sounds bad. Like anytime I ever went, like the first thing I started doing is praying, like, "Yo, God, you let me out. I never do this again." <laughs> so like, just one incident, it was like, like a little cell battery charge. Somebody was gonna press charges, and I remember the, when I went to jail, shit was ultimate. That first thing, that prayer. And I'll never forget, like, that whole prayer that whole time like, while I was uh, in there, like, in the hole. And I was like, God, if you let me make this, I'll never fight on the street again. I'm going to join a boxing gym. And I kept repeating that prayer, repeating that prayer. Long story short, I remember, like, the whole thing, like, went to court, like, went to the whole trial because I was trying to fight it. Sure. And then, like, they dismissed it. Like, some crazy stuff went my way. Like Nice. And I remember being in the car telling myself, like, dang, you would, like, just beat this case. And then I remember, like, all right, telling myself, like, literally talking to myself, like, okay, is this one going to be one of those situations where you pray yourself out of a situation and go right back to what you were doing, just pray yourself to get out of jail, or you're going to really do what God asked for? And I was like, man, I'm really going to do this, because next time I try to pray myself out of a situation, I probably ain't going to be able to pray it out. Uh, so I remember going to a gym. It wasn't even the first thing. People don't even know. It wasn't a boxing gym I started at. It was a, I went to an MMA. I had a, a buddy of mine named Steve-O. He used to do MMA. Like, he went to the whole, like, legacy and all that. Cool. So I was like, oh, I could do that. I could fight. I could kick. I thought, yeah, I could kick, but can you take a kick? <laughs> I remember one sparring session, I got kicked real bad. And I was like, yeah, that's not, the, that's not the sport for me. But every day we always, anytime we always sparred, I always did good when, like, we had days where we just do striking only or we would do strikes and kicks or no striking, just kicks. But every day I was always good with just striking. I was like, all right. So that day with that kick, that uh, kick you worry about, I got kicked real bad. Like, it was like a whole career change for me. I was like, oh, yeah, this is my last day in this gym. I saw a thing on YouTube that was just like the top 10 leg kick, like getting knocked out from a leg kick, just getting hit in the thigh to where you tap out. And so seeing that shit was like, yeah, I can't That's imagine crazy. if you're not acclimated to it. Yeah. 
them kicks. You know, you got you, know, you got to think about the force behind them kicks. For sure. Or that muscle in the legs. So I just remember, like after that, it was funny about the uh, the, the day of that uh, MMA gym because I was telling, all right, y'all, I'll see y'all tomorrow. In my head, I knew day you know, that was my last day in this gym. So it was just funny. Like I was telling them I was gonna see them tomorrow. <laughs> then I remember I, I went to the uh, boxing gym. I'll never forget. I went there. I told her, like, I went there, like, confident, like, cocky. I went straight to the coach, like, yo, who's your best fighter? Oh, I no. promise I could whoop him. And all that. He started laughing. He was like, hey, street fighting is way different from boxing. And I never understood that. Like, when he first told me, I was like, man, it's the same thing. Man, I got them hands, man, for real. Yeah. So I remember he was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to give you a week of free training. Oof. I mean, I'd come up there, train on my own for free. Like, I didn't have to pay the gym dude. He said, and Friday, we're going we're gonna to spar. He said, I won't even give you the best dude. I'll give you, like, our one of our okay dudes. I was like, all right. So, man, I'm, I'm training. You think you're like, going to walk through uh, this guy, right? You, you know, you're on training thing. I'm like, is this a Rocky movie? <laughs> so I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, I'm over here looking at other people train or how they punch the bag, how they're jumping ropes to implement that in my training. I'm doing the same thing they're doing. We're trying to do the same thing they're doing. So I remember that Friday came, and I got ready. Like, it was the first day of school. I had my clothes out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm about to go show them. So I remember Friday, boom. Friday came, I remember we got in the gym. First round, got in there. Like, hey, no lie. I went in there and started whooping them. But when I went back and looked at it, it was so, like, Something uncoordinated. Yeah. It was just bad. It looked just just like a nasty street fight. No you know, technique. Like, right. No technique at all. I'm right. just throwing punches. In my head, I'm like, I won. Like he just all he did was block, stay on the ropes. So I remember the round was over. I tried to get out. And then the the coach, he came in and was like, oh, we do minimum of three rounds here. And I'm like, Sheesh. <laughs> like, I, I want to quit. You but, just did three minutes. Yeah, then, like yeah. I just, yeah, I just did. And what people don't understand, people don't understand how long three minutes is a fight. They think, oh, that's just three minutes. No, when you fighting, somebody's trying to take your head off and you trying to take their head off and y'all trying to kill each other, three minutes feel like ten minutes. And yeah, now you get have blown like up. your lungs are gone. Now you have several several rounds of doing that. So I remember I was like, Oh yeah, I can't sing like no wuss. Like I stayed in the ring and I remember like being like just dead tired. Like against the rope, and this dude is just teeing off on me, <laughs> teeing off. I'm like, okay, so I'm not like back. Like when I look at him, I'm like, okay, all he did was just wait for me to get tired, and it worked because I was dead. Yes. I remember what my coach was saying, like, "Hey, Ralph, it's okay to move your head." And it's just like bobblehead. He just teeing off on me, <laughs> and I lasted the whole three rounds. And he's like, "Yo, I'm really." I really, uh, man, I, I got to give it up to you. Like, you stood in there. Most people would have given up after that first round right. or got out of the second round. And I just remember, like, not feeling defeated, just feeling like, oh, I got to get that back. Right. That Like, even though, yeah, yeah, I'm new to this, like, I just felt like I got to get it back. And I remember walking into that gym, seeing all the accolades on the wall and seeing all the pictures and, like, the trophies. Like, I just had that, like. Like me envisioning, like, oh, I'm gonna be on this wall one day. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have trophies up in here one day. So it's just like me, like foreshadowing, like what I'm gonna do later if I like really stick to this, like all these other people on the wall did. Yeah. So and then, 
And after that, like, I really just fell in love with it. And then just hearing different people's stories, like, most times you hear boxing stories, most of them didn't come from, like, from a rich home. Right. Like, they all had that hunger. Most right. of them probably were troubled kids or got in trouble and sure. put their negative energy into boxing or started off as a kid. So most of them just had, like, different stories. And then, like, with the whole boxing gym, you got to think we do this every single day. Like, right. I'm, with, I'm, I'm with my coach more than I'm with my mom. Right. Or I see my brothers and sisters. So you just develop that Community. natural family bond. Yeah. Develop that natural family bond where you calling your stable mates bros and your coaches pops. And <laughs> you develop that love right there. So it was just like from there, I was like, all right, I love this. Like, this is me. I could see myself doing yeah, I think the I'm, – I'm always a big fan of, like, the first beginnings of training kind of stories. And I like that story that they throw you in there with this guy. He waits for you to get gassed out, but you stand in there. And that that's the win for you is that you you stuck with it, right? And that is – you were talking about Rocky. I was like, that is – Rocky won? He loses. Yeah. Like, But, again, it's like a win for him because he went the distance. And yeah. I think that that overcoming – uh, adversity thing just goes at levels. Like again, like those the the folks you're looking at on the the gym wall and the the eight by yeah. ten portraits that are signed and all this kind of stuff. Like that is the top of the top, right? And again, you start setting your goals right then and there. And I think that's awesome. At what point did it start calling you trouble? Oh, so look, it was a funny. It was like crazy little story. So leading up to my, my first professional fight. I know, like, everybody had a name, so we were trying to find a name. I was like, yo, I can't be a boxer, and people would call me Raphael. I was like, no, I, got, I need a nickname. I need a nickname. So, what's well, crazy, like, it was, was going to be Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, there so, you go. <laughs> it was going to be Wreck-It Ralph. So, I was like, man, I really, somebody gave me Wreck-It I was like, man, I really don't like Wreck-It Ralph. That's from a whole cartoon. Like, yeah, they're going to come after us for the money or yeah. something at some point. I was like, man, nothing, nothing like there's nothing like gonna take me serious the name after a cartoon and so we like we're just going different things it was gonna be Wiz Kid it was gonna be the Nigerian Nightmare I was like man it, there's so many Nigerian Nightmares yeah I'm there's like, several yeah so I was like so like down the line we just kept uh, pushing so like one incident another little jail story you never got pulled over cop arrested me for a failure to ID I didn't have my ID great took me in and then I'm pretty sure he would have let me go, just a little ticket. But then I was mouthing off, like, oh boy. <laughs> like, yeah, I just didn't have my ID, but I had it in a system. I had my uh, insurance. So I was just, officer, why you pulled me over? I'm good. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I could have been like, really, if, if I was more nice about it, I would have let me go. So I knew, okay, it would be nice with the cops to let you go. But long story short, I remember like, I had a championship going glove. I'm at the championship. <laughs> I get arrested the day before the championship fight. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, come on, officer. Don't do this. To me. I got I was like telling him I got I to gotta fight the next day. I had kids. I got. I was like, my kids at the house. I don't have no kids. I was just trying to make any kind of excuse. I like, got <laughs> kids at home. Officer, please. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to get arrested. So the dude wins. He wins by default because I didn't show up. Oh, my God. So I, Yes, I knew like when my coach saw me, it was gonna be like uh, he's gonna chew me out. So I remember like going into the gym, head down, and walking in. He was like, "Here comes trouble!" And I looked up. I was like, "Yo, coach, that's it, that's it." 
I was, he was like, what? What you talking about? <laughs> I was like, yo, that's my new name, Trouble. And then I remember, like, calling my mom, like, so I find a new nickname, like, she was, like, Trouble. And she was like, that name fits you all. Like, <laughs> yeah, your like, mom would know like, most of all, huh? Yeah, I definitely, because we don't know, like, majority of my life was in Nigeria. Like, okay. I went to Nigeria, like, from middle school, like, to the end of my high school. Okay. Like, getting in trouble. Like, my mom just wanted to get me out of this environment. And I'm so big on my Nigeria because I feel like if it wasn't for Nigeria, like, you and me would not be here on this on right. this call, man. Like, Nigeria definitely changed my life. It was, like, a definite eye-opener. So how many years be, were were you there? Five years. Five, five years. Five years in, like, your formative parts of your childhood. Like, when you're yeah. kind of growing up, becoming a man type of stuff, definitely, right? Yeah, like, my whole teenage years, like, in Nigeria, the majority of teenage, like, I didn't come back until I was 19. Oh, Wow. That's wow. when I was 14. I'm going on 14. Yeah. Again, I remember that age and stuff. Again, that's when. Again, I, those are, I, I, I get it for a lot of young men that those are your formative years, you know. And for you to yeah, be. Those are the years that are really make and break you. like For sure. I, I know, I know, like, friends that, like, around those years, they, they went to jail, did some serious time. And, you know, you go to jail 17, go do five years. Like, you come out, like, what do you know? Uh, you know, institutionalized. Yeah, for sure. What was the most different from the USA? Because again, I have a my father's from Mexico. I, I I love other countries and seeing like, well, where do we come from and what is that culture and the culture shock that comes with it too. Even though like though, that's my blood that runs through yeah. me is Mexican. What about that Nigerian experience was maybe the most interesting or shocking at that age? It was. It was like the whole culture, like everything is different. Like they're big on respect. They're big on respecting your elders. Like for sure. Like you're not disrespecting your elders in front of somebody else, and then disrespects your uh, your elder like that. And then I was in a boarding school. That was that was a whole different shock right there. Like all right, I go from going home every day, coming home from school, going home, going back to school. Now I'm living in school. Right. Without my parents, like, it was literally just, like, no warning. It was like, oh, drop off. All right, now learn everything on your own. Jeez. Again, I was, like, at school on my own. It was was crazy. So, and then, like, I think the worst was not the worst because it definitely changed. Like, the whole shocking, they they still whoop kids in Nigeria. So, they still have, like, that whole paddle system. Yeah, corporal punishment. was, like, the whatever system, like, whatever that yeah, so whatever they found to hit you with, where there was a most times it was a switch, like a branch off the tree. Well, that's where the respect for your elders comes like from. Because your elders are going to whack yeah. you. That's where they're. <laughs> so it's like, so it like, nah, it's no more ISS or suspension. Now they about to deal with you on your own. Jeez, man! So I remember getting in so much trouble and like, like, I'm not getting suspended. I'm getting beats, these bruises, bruises on my back. I was like, yo, how much more? Do I want this? Jeez, man! So like, it just it just forces you to change. Because like, yo, who wants to get a whooping every day? No, yeah, definitely. That'll that'll yeah, that'll set a lot of people straight, for better or worse. You're not calling no police or no CPS system. Like, yeah, they'll be the ones to come give you the second whooping. Like, oh, what you do? <laughs> right. Nigeria is a fascinating country, and you mentioned uh, again that nickname, a uh, potential nickname, Nigerian nightmare, and so there's. Uh, yeah. Kamuro, Kamuro Usman over in the UFC and yeah. you got 
Israel Adesanya and uh, really interesting fight culture in Nigeria. Their traditional striking sport, Dambe, I believe it's called, and it's like a yeah. like a boxing, kickboxing style kind of fight. And then they have their wrestling too. They have like there's a Nigerian, a specific Nigerian type of wrestling uh, yeah, called Giddy Ball. Right there, you go. Right, and I've always find I always like seeing. Every culture has their own version of fighting. And Nigeria is really interesting in that way and that they have these old uh, folk wrestling and, like, folk boxing type of traditions, you know. And so I think that culturally, you know, similar to, like, how Mexico is and, and Russia, right? yeah. these hard spots that produce Especially fighters. Russia. Yeah, they produce some fighters. Russia, you know? like, when you see, like, their documentaries, how they produce fighters, like. Since they're tiny. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know what uh, country that would be, like when they do like the, the monks. Right. You know, when they're raising the monks, like at those young age, like that's all they know. Exactly. And so, no, that's really, really cool that you got to have that experience. But again, that's, uh, yeah, it sounds like night and day compared to out here, you know. Tell me a little bit about how the last year's been for you in, uh, training and COVID affecting events and, 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 and disrupting the sports landscape. Man, it's just been crazy. Like, I was going to have the biggest fight of my career at, uh, it was going to be in the MGM. A, a big fight. Big fight, MGM. going to be on ESPN. So, boom. I, like, it, it was just a whole crazy with the whole COVID. Like, I, I happened, like, they did uh, two tests. That day, boom! I, I, I tested negative the first day. Tested positive the second day. Oh no! Then the next day, I went to go get tested three more times just to see. All came back negative. So I was like, "Damn! I, I wish I would have had it just to say, all right, at least I missed it." But it was like to miss like the biggest uh, fight of my career. So, so you, you, you a positive, t- negative. Yeah. Test. So you got one negative in that big bunch, but they cancel your fight because of that. And is the that like how positive. how close to your to your fight is that when that happens? Is it, it fight was week? Within like four, it was the day before the day of. Oh my god! The day of they told me, so we did the uh, the negative test. It was a, the day prior, which was the weigh-in. Right. Day. So after the weigh-ins, we have to go test. Boom! I passed that test. And, and like just finding out about the test is just like a whole fraternity test, like. Finding out the kid is yours or not. So he's waiting by your nails, pacing back and forth in your hotel room. And everything was just so crazy around that period. Man, it was just the whole world was just upside down, just seeing like everybody practicing social distancing. Like nobody wanted you close by, but we're still about to get in the rain. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Everything was just so crazy. Dang, man. And so that sounds like it was clearly a, a false positive. Right. Yeah, not and, and I've heard problem. other folks that, you know, and again, with less at stake, you know, that, oh, I got a, a positive test, but then I got a couple negative ones right after. So I think it was a false. Yeah. And like, but then this affects your livelihood and your profile. Again, being televised gets so many eyes on you. And, so, and yeah, that sucks that that got pulled out from under you. And I, I know it happened to lots of folks too, but um, no, definitely. But I always say, man, everything happens for a reason. Like that opponent, I was supposed to fight. Like he has such an awkward style. 
you know, like what people Check don't understand what boxing. I don't, people don't understand what boxing. I don't care how good you are. Like styles make fights. 100%. If you put somebody who can't fight in front of you, like it's gonna throw your whole your whole ordeal off. I don't care how good you are. So this one fighter, man, he's just so awkward. Like I don't know if he had any boxing training. Like oh wow, he literally's out there like boxing worse than a street fighter. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. You go look him up. Go look him up. It's just <laughs> it's just so crazy. Like. So I'm glad, like when I look back, because I I ended up fighting him again. It was just gonna, it was just in Houston. Okay. So like when I ended up fighting him again, I was like, man, God had his reason for like canceling that fight because <laughs> I would not have went like the world to see. Right. Like even if I did beat him, they were like, all right, look at it. Who's this uh, tomato can they put in front of him? Like, right. Right. Yeah. You don't want your first fight, fight to then, be yeah a tomato can. Yeah. And so. Uh, yeah. That you, you, you bring up uh, the styles make fights thing. And so you're you're on a winning streak after a couple losses. And that is part of the game. Like, you know what, me, I was thinking about my favorite fighters. I don't my favorite fighters aren't undefeated. All of my favorite fighters have lost, right? Like that's that's part of the story, overcoming loss. What about over, overcoming that? It's, it's part of the story because I know so many people that have taken one loss, like great boxers, and they no longer box again because they couldn't deal with it. Sure. They didn't know how to bounce back, or they got knocked out, or took a bad loss. Like, fortunately for me, like the losses, I t- all, both were split decisions. Like, sure. it could have went either way. Right. And then in my head, like, I, I didn't feel defeated. I felt defeated in myself, not defeated in like, oh damn, I can't fight no more. I was just like, oh, I can't let this happen. Like, you got to keep going. Like. Right. And I know where I come from. I know people that like have like DMs daily. Like if it's not daily, it's weekly. No exaggeration to somebody that's like, man, you motivate me. You're always in the gym. You push me to always want to. And I just kept telling myself, damn, if I quit now, what do I tell them? People that they're looking up to me. So I was like, I'm not only doing this for myself. I'm doing this like for the other people or the people that are in Nigeria or they can't come overseas because their papers are not right or they don't have the all that the financial resource and I was just like, yo, this fight is not just for me. Like all the promises I made my mom like, oh just stick down, stay with me. Like this is gonna pay off at the end. So it was just like, yeah, I couldn't like well on myself it. and then and then it was just like with the whole yeah, it was the same person twice, but I was like life i've made the same mistakes twice <laughs> that's great like, that, like and that's true like i know m- many people that have made the same mistakes twice three times and stuff but it's like all right if i ever fought this dude like he still wants to fight me that's what's crazy like <laughs> i like the third time like i know what i did the second time it won't happen the third time and like i know what i did it, it's different when you made a mistake and don't know what you did or you made a mistake and you know what you did like the first fight i was playing around like, I remember, like, no lie, first round, within, like, 20 seconds of the fight, I had dropped him. Oh, wow. Got me a drop, so I was, like, in my head, I'm, like, dang, I trained too hard for this fight to let it end this quick. Oh, no. Started playing around, bro, got his energy, and I remember uh had that uh, headbutt, I had crazy headbutt, fractured my overbone, I couldn't continue on with that fight. Oh, damn. So, boom, the, uh... The doctor gave me like a like a a ten month leave. No, it was eight months. Okay, eight months that I couldn't box again until the eye fully healed. Right. These people made the rematch within six months. 
Yeah, no, and I, I didn't my, take it. Or, or huh? did you take it? Yeah, I took it. Okay. Like, my, my pride just, like, wow. my knee just, like, I was, like, forget my eye. Like, I don't care. <laughs> so, I get in the ring. This is the second fight. I get in the ring. Second fight, I was, like, forget about my eyes. I get in the ring. All I'm worried about is my eye. Because <laughs> I'm, like, trying to protect it. Pretty, so yeah, I'm like, all I do, I remember that pain. I don't want to feel that. Like, that was like one of the like top three, like one of the worst pains I ever felt in my life. Just like a fracture over a bone and just him punching up against it or we'll get into the clinch. Damn. And it was just like so painful. So just me thinking like, I'm not even supposed to be in this ring right now. Like, <laughs> I'm still supposed to be like on, on the lead. Like, my doctor said I can't even be here. So I remember like, I, I was fighting that fight timid, but. It was just like, all right, I didn't come this far to only come this far. Right. And I feel like in this boxing world, like, it's so political. Sure. It's so political. People, nobody, no undefeated fighter wants to fight another undefeated fighter. I don't know why that. So I get more opportunities now than I was when I was undefeated. So everything is a blessing. There you go. So it's crazy. So speaking of opportunities, so at the pro level, and again, with a really good record and coming up on a winning streak, you get these opportunities in competition. But what other, what other opportunities might you have in the pro boxing level in terms of training? Do you go to like other gyms or do you mostly stay with uh, Coach Dwight? And how do you guys set up like uh, sparring and, and things like this? Most time, like different people call you, like they'll call you like from different gyms. Like most times, I get go get training over there at Jay Prince Boxing Gym. Okay, the different uh, call outs. Most time when they need like different uh, help, like with southpaws, because I'm a southpaw fighter. So most times they get different calls out, or different training. As okay. far as like the calls, like most times it's called, but like I said, political. Sometimes like sure. you'll get a fight, they'll call you within two weeks of the fight. Right. So right there is like, then they don't even give you a full count. So like, they already want to have that advantage that they've been training. Right. They want to call you two weeks out. But some people, they are, they accept it for the money, even though, all right, they know they're going to lose. They weren't training. Like, nah, I can't do it like that. That's not why I came into the game. I hear you. I hear you. What's the ideal length for fight prep in a fight camp? There's seven, eight weeks. Okay. It's uh, like minimum like five weeks if you already been trained, like if you've been in the gym in and out. Okay. But like you bouncing back so eight weeks, like right. not doing nothing solid eight weeks of like you just going. But if you've been in and out the gym, not like if you've been in the gym, like how I've been just steady in the gym, just training for something to happen, five weeks. You there you go. Like even a month. Okay. Because you, you already been training and you're at weight. Okay. Now it's just like tuning up. And so, are you boxing at 160? Yeah, I fight at 160. All right, great, great. That's middleweight? Yeah, middleweight. Great. 160 middleweight. Who, who are you a fan of, and who do you look up to or study? Really, I'm, I'm a fan of, like, the people around me. Like, cool. when I first started boxing, it, it was, like, yeah, it was the twins out of the Houston the Charlo twin. Right, then, like, Charlo I, I started going to the main boxing gym, and I, I don't know if you know who Regis Progre is. Oh, yeah, Regis Progre. Sure. Yeah, so, like, just being around him and seeing how humble he is, I'm like, yo, this dude's humble like this. Like, like, and he's just so nice. Like, 
he's welcoming, open to advice, willing to give advice to you, asking like, oh, what you need to train on, like not stuck up in his uh, and his success. So just just seeing where he came from and like hearing his stories, like and just being around him, like oh, if you stay like it's different when you're around somebody and when you're not around. Like now you don't know like. You didn't. You just. You see their glory. You didn't see like their struggle. Like, yo, I saw his struggle. Like, I was running with him. I was training with him. I've been in some of his training camps where he used me as a sparring partner. There so you go. just like seeing the growth and I seeing, like, have an actual, like, eyewitness to what happened when you stay down. So I've been to his house, like, seeing, like, oh damn, this is life, man. And you stay down for the come up and just stay. Uh, Say dedicated to your craft. This is what could happen. So, just looking at different people like Reza Pogray, uh, Oceanic Foster. That's one of, another favorite fighter of mine. I don't know. And like, like favorite fighter. Like, I love Terrence Crawford. That's there. You go. Crawford's great. That's my dude right there. Very cool. And so, what future goals do you have in your pro boxing career? No, everybody want to be that world champion. I was like, I, I become that world champion. I'm like, yeah, I did it. Like, and then you get that world champion. You know, I'm a person that's never satisfied. The son now need like two world champions or a unified division. Sure. So it's like that first goal. You know, you got to hit the first step before you get to the second step. Right, right. So that would definitely be that. All right. Grinding all this time, become a world champion. There you go. There you go. What maybe has been your biggest success so far in boxing? I was just saying, probably just meeting new people. Like, I feel like the whole boxing just, just helped, like, open doors to things that I wouldn't have done if I was doing something else. Like, I met a lot of great people within boxing. I feel like like this is still the beginning. Like, anything that I could say, all right, it's great. I know there's better in the future because I haven't seen anything yet. It's like, I've been on, like, free full trip, like, like free flights, not having to play for nothing. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, it's just a different thing. Like, meeting new people, like, damn. I'm in a room with so and so. Sure. And I, I don't even box it. I, oh, I box, or this is because of boxing my hands, or right. I'm sitting in the room with Ron Artest, or he's inviting me to that. Hell just yeah. different stuff like that. So I'm <laughs> like, like I know it's more to come. So it's, I want you to say there's one particular thing that's great. I like everything is great because, like, the boxing, I know there's more in store if you just stay down and keep working. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And so this is the writers and fighters podcast. I always like to ask the fighters if they do any writing themselves, or if you're interested in like reading anything like that. I, would, I, I wouldn't call it writing. Like I have like my notes where I, I text. Like probably it's like I do like future goals. Okay. Like, like I write it down. Like hey, you gonna make it big one day, or add this thing where I always tell myself like if they don't know me today, they'll know me tomorrow, and that's like in all aspects of life. I have it where I'm saying like not nece- not necessarily as in popularity. I'm saying like where I don't even have to introduce myself when I walk into a room. Right. Like, right. All right. They're gonna know me today. They're gonna know me tomorrow. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Like anything. Like in life. Like oh oh that's that's rough. That's trouble. That's trouble. The boxer. You don't know. <laughs> not just being a boxer. Just like doing other like community outreach and like. Where it's not, oh, he just boxed. Like, no, I want to do like things for a community. Like, oh, you don't, you don't remember he was there when he did the, uh, the gift back for the kids or the back to school for the kids. <laughs> oh yeah, they're helping with the single mother. Just 
just doing different things like that to where or I'm known for different things other than boxing. So I, I write like nah, I'm not big on like writing and reading, but that's like my my writing. No, I think you know, that I think that counts. Twenty first century, everybody's like texting now, so make things easier. Oh yeah, so I go look back and then all right, and then what we say we got to do. I like the making a little note, and those are like your your like self affirmations, right? And yeah, and, you know, and one of the best boxers again, I think the best American athlete ever, Muhammad Ali, he had his self affirmation. He said, "I'm the greatest." Like you know, yeah. you say it enough and look at it enough, like you can make that shit happen, you know. And so I like that you put that in you know in your notes and in your you phone. Say it enough, you start to believe it for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. All right, for Trouble. Sure. What kind of social media plugs you got for us, bud? My Instagram is uh, Trouble Ralph. Uh, Trouble Ralpho. That's Trouble and Ralpho. That's R A L P H O. And the same with Twitter, Trouble Ralpho. Sweet, sweet. Instagram and Twitter, Trouble Ralpho on both. Dude, I really appreciated this. Uh, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, and I, I, I really dig uh, your representation of Nigeria, and I want to see you uh, again. Be another one of those world champion Nigerian fighters, man. That's going to happen, man, for sure. Hell yeah, buddy. All right, buddy. You take care, okay? Uh, You too, man. Stay blessed. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to that interview with Trouble Ibokwe, middleweight boxer fighting out of Houston, Texas. I wish him the best. I definitely want him to have a world championship around his waist at some point. With that Nigerian flag draped over his shoulders, I think it'd be super cool to have a world champion Nigerian-American fighting out of Houston, Texas. I think that's what boxing is all about. If you want to keep up with Trouble, go over to Instagram. Follow at TroubleRalpho, R-A-L-P-H-O. He's on Twitter as well. Trouble Ralpho on Twitter as well. Trouble, R-A-L-P-H-O. As far as the podcast, you guys know the drill. Subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. Follow us on social media. What you may want to do, find one of your favorite episodes and send it over to somebody who might be interested. I would really appreciate that. Just like I appreciate all the love we get online. All the support we get, the ratings we've gotten on Apple Podcasts, the follows we've gotten on Spotify, and so on. So you guys stay tuned, be good, be safe, and we'll talk next week.